There you oh, you're recording. Excellent. Um, hey, everybody. Thanks for having me this morning. Uh, like Brother Derek said, my name's Stuart Estes. I was with you guys uh, maybe a year and a half ago, I think. Um, I'm the ministry team leader at the Association of Baptist Students at the University of Arkansas. Um, this morning, I'm going to preach a message and also tell you about the ministry at the same time. Uh, so let's just get going on that. You, I, Brother Derek, have you ever used the term preaching out of the overflow? Do, do you guys know what that means? When a pastor or a preacher says they're preaching out of the overflow, that means they've been studying the Word of God on their own, not necessarily looking for a message, but boom, here came this message, and it just cropped up. And so when, when I'm saying I'm preaching out of the overflow here, I'm saying that what I'm saying to you is something that the Lord has impressed upon my heart through personal study over the last six months. And I, I just kind of, like a prophet, I have to get this fire out of my belly so you guys get to hear it today. So um, I've spent, for whatever reason, uh, in the last six months, a lot of time in the Gospel of John. Um, so if you've ever been in that 21-chapter book and you've read through it and you've paid attention, you'll see that there are two really big themes that stand out. The first theme is this idea of abiding. And um, abiding is most prominent in chapter 15, where uh, I like to pay attention to how many times an author uses a word uh, John records Jesus using this word abide uh, 11, 10 times in 11 verses. This is a big, big theme. Uh, in some, some Bibles, the word is remain. But the idea is that as a follower of Christ, you would just abide in Jesus, live in Jesus, live in this transforming power of his gospel. Um, so that is a really big theme. Um, and I just felt like I needed to tell you that because it's there. It's not what I'm going to preach to you about, but I wanted you to know about it. Uh, Hayden, you and Brother Derek and Maggie, wherever she went, um, the Lord is working here this morning because in our Bible, in our Bible study, we read out of John, 1 John chapter 5 about the testimony. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about this other mega theme in the book of John, which is bear witness. So John uh, uses this word bear witness or born witness um, across 21 chapters. He uses it 28 times. This is a mega theme. This idea of bearing witness about uh, the work of the Lord, bearing witness to the power of the gospel. And this, um, this really stood out to me as I was studying John, um, that bearing witness is an important thing. Um, so the main point, uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 15 uh, toward the end of the chapter. Um, and then we'll go into, into 16 a little bit. But the main point for today is this. Our ability to advance the kingdom of God hinges on how well we bear witness to the work of the Holy, Spirit's in, Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay, let me say it again. Our ability to advance the kingdom of God hinges on how well we bear witness to the work of the Holy Spirit. So, like I said, we're going to be in John chapter 15. Uh, let's start there in verse 18, and we're going to go through verse 25, and then we'll stop and talk, and then we'll keep going after that. All right? I'm in the English Standard Version, so that's, uh, that's why it sounds the way it does. 
uh, if the world, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is a very intimate moment. Uh, Jesus is uh, on the way to the cross, right? These are probably some of the very last words that he says to his disciples. So this is an important thing he's saying. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. So here, Jesus is, again, like I said, he's talking to his disciples in his final days here on earth. And you guys know that when people are approaching their death, um, and Jesus was well aware of that, the heavy things come out, right? The important things come out, the things that need to be said. So up until this point, Jesus has been harassed by the religious elite. These men who he's talking to have been there with him to see him harassed over and over again by these religious leaders. And the reason that they're harassing him is because they had not been giving ear, right? They had not been really listening to what he had to say. They had not been consuming his words because that, why? Because they didn't want to consume his words. And that's what he says in this passage. He's telling his disciples now that if you will follow me after I'm gone, they don't know he's going to die. Um, and, and be resurrected and then go to the Father, right? But he says, if you'll follow in my path, guess what? The world will hate you too. If you look like me, these religious elite won't like that. The world won't like that. Because why? Because they hate the Father, right? Um, in the middle of this passage is a very important verse. It's verse 21. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So in this verse, Jesus makes it clear that the reasons why he was hated, the reason why they would be hated if they followed in his footsteps, is that the people wanted nothing to do with knowing the Father. This message of the gospel is anathema to people who don't want to know God. That we would say that we humans are broken and flawed is just completely out of the question for the world around us, right? No, humanity's on the rise. Humanity's getting better, right? No, the power of the gospel is that we are not getting better. We never have been better. And that is what Jesus is saying. If you want to go to the Father, you'll have to come through me. Those who don't want to go to the Father never will go through him, right? Um, Jesus is ever mindful of his mission. And he tells his disciples here that part of the reason he came was that he needed to bring conviction of sin. He says that in these verses. He says, if I hadn't come and done these miracles, if I hadn't come and done what the Father had asked of me, nobody would feel convicted of sin. 
They'd just be under the law, right? We can't, we can't keep the law of the Old Testament. But here's Jesus. He did. He obeyed the Father in every aspect. We are under extreme conviction of sin because of His life, right? Um, but He reiterates that those who hate Him hate the Father who sent Him, right? That's a big thing. To hate the Creator and hate He whom the Creator has sent, that's frightening. Um, and then He goes on to say that if He hadn't done these miracles... Nobody would be condemned, right? But this is all to fulfill prophecy, and he kind of ends on that note there in verse 25. Now let's keep going. Um, so when you read your Bible, um, if, if, if you're paying attention to dialogue, uh, if you're looking down at your Bible, you've got this big paragraph, right? I mean, I just read you uh, seven verses that were rather lengthy. It's a big paragraph. And then there's this little bitty paragraph that follows it. Hey, that's a big thing to pay attention to because this thought is connecting this previous thought and it's pretty powerful because it's small, right? So let's read it. Verse 26 through verse 27. Um, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, Jesus has just uh, explained how he has been persecuted. And if these disciples will follow after him, they will too be persecuted. But he's such a kind man to these disciples. If you ever looked at Jesus, he's so kind. He says hard things, but then he, he reassures these guys. He says, listen... That is going to happen. That is absolutely true. But here's the deal. Um, when I'm gone, the helper will come. Who is the helper? The helper is the Holy Spirit. He is the very essence of God himself, right? The Spirit will come to be with you. And what does he say about what the Spirit will do? He will bear witness, right? Give testimony to Say that, yes, the things Jesus said are true. Jesus is not here anymore, but I am with you, the Holy Spirit says, and I am reminding you of what Jesus has said. That's the first bearing witness. The second bearing witness is that the Spirit enables those who claim Christ to bear witness about that work in their lives, right? So this is the most important part of this passage, right? I said that, He's just got done talking about how the, they'll be persecuted, right? And, and we as Christians like to wear that badge of honor sometimes, right? That we are not like the world. We will be we're persecuted because we don't look like them. But here in this passage is the most important part. The helper comes to bear witness about Jesus and to also enable those who have been transformed by Jesus to bear witness as well. Here's the deal. The power of the gospel is in its ability to bring the dead back to life, to breathe new life into dry, dead bones, and to turn us wretched, depraved image bearers into sanctified image bearers. But guess what, guys? How will anybody know the power of the gospel if those who have it don't bear witness? How will anyone know the power of the gospel if we can't articulate how we ourselves are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. If we can't open our mouths and speak about that, guess what? The gospel dies with us. It stops with you. 
right? So I'm, I'm harping on you about bearing witness, right? Well, I'm harping on myself about bearing witness. That's why my voice got loud. Because this is a message out of the overflow. So I have felt convicted over the last six months to bear witness about things, right? Because I say that I have the Holy Spirit in me. So let me tell you what it looks like to bear witness. I'm going to give you two stories from my life. One's a big story and the other one's a small story. But these are, this is what it looks like to bear witness. So my wife, Hannah, is here with me. Um, Hannah and I uh, came to the University of Arkansas around the same time. I'm from Harrison originally, and she's from Fayetteville. Um, but we were in the same department working on our agricultural uh, education, communications, and technology uh, degree. And I look at Hannah because she works there, and if I mess the degree up, I get in trouble. Um, but that's what we were working on. And so uh, we really weren't interested in one another uh, for a long time, but we started going to grad school with one another and we worked on this class together and that just drew us together and it's like the the scales fell off of at least my eyes at one point and I was like wow I guess I should marry her um, and so we were dating and we were married in grad school uh, when I graduated um, I went to work at Walmart like brother Derek said I worked on training programs for associates and uh, I worked there and the Lord was kind to me to give me that job, and he was also kind to Hannah to give her a job at the university. So when she graduated, uh, there was a class that was very important in the department we were in that needed to be taught. She had the skills and the expertise, and so she started teaching that. So she's working at the university at this time. Um, I, like Brother Derek, you probably heard this story, I was chasing the American dream, right? In corporate America. That's what we were doing, wasn't it, Derek? We were running after that American dream. And guess what? We got dissatisfied with it. Why did we get dissatisfied with it? Because it's not what the Lord has asked. Um, and so this growing dissatisfaction is in me that you've probably heard Brother Derek talk about. So I did that for five years. And I just felt more and more uncomfortable there all the time. Now, all, all while this is going on, there's this ministry on the campus called the Association of Baptist Students that Hannah had come through uh, as her, on her time there. Brother Warren Dugas was the leader, and he was retiring, right? So here I, here's this story, right? This is six, seven years at this point of us being together, of having a marriage, of me going off to corporate America to chase a dream that's not so great. And then this ministry is opening up where, guess what? There are students who are about to go chase the American dream who need to hear, that's not what the Lord has asked. Do you see this? I came to work at the very university that brought me and my wife together, that gave us a family, right? Um, where she was working at the time. And then I'm going to be serving students who need to hear what the Lord has done in my life over the last five years which was make me increasingly uncomfortable with the American dream. Um, guys, none of this is coincidence. There are people everywhere who would say, this is fate, the stars have aligned. None of that is true. This is the Lord's sovereign hand on every bit of this. He has brought us together. He has brought us to this ministry. He has brought us through all these things because he has asked us to do that, right? And under his authority, we have done that. And I'm bearing witness to you 
that none of that is because I'm smart or because Hannah's smart or because the chips fell right. It's all because the Lord, right? Because he had this plan and he brought it together. That's a big story, right? So that's what it looks like to bear witness to like a chapter of your life, right? Uh, But here's a little story about bearing witness as well. So Brother Derek, you're instrumental in this story, and I don't know if you know it, but we had a discussion at one point about the building. Do you remember this discussion? Yeah, driving down, we were talking about the building, and you said to me, I'm convinced that most of ministry is just helping people in the point of need and then being there with the gospel. And so as, as I took on the work at ABS, I just that idea was in my head, and that was the Holy Spirit, and it kept being reinforced. And so last year, we started pursuing this vision that we would be a physical presence that ministers to tangible student needs as a pathway to minister to their spiritual condition. And that is the vision that the Lord has given me and the board and my wife and students even. This is what we're pursuing at the Association of Baptist Students, to help students in need so we can share the gospel. Um, The other thing, when we were seeking that vision, the Lord asked us to do another scary thing. So um, traditionally, we have made a lot of our money at ABS to stay open from parking at Razorback games and things like that. Well, the Lord asked us to not use that money for that anymore. I felt very strongly him saying, you take that money and you set that money aside. Don't you put it back into your general budget. You set that money aside and that's the money I'm giving you to help students in need. This is the vision I've given and I'm going to give you this money so you can go do that, right? So last year, uh, excuse me, the year before last year, I'm so confused, COVID confused me. Um, We... Uh, made $3,700 from parking at Razorback games. Razorbacks were doing a little better. COVID was over. People were starting to park more. So we made $3,700. And that was the money that the Lord gave us last year to spend on students in need. We were faithful to that. I am happy, so happy to say that we were faithful to spend every bit of that except for $125 because I just, I couldn't find any more needs. That's pretty good, I think. $3,700 compared to 125. So we were faithful to put that money back into students. We helped one student who's very important to our ministry buy a new computer. We helped another who we didn't know all that well, but I had another student who said, man, I got this friend who's really fallen on hard times. She just needs some money to get through a month. We gave her some money. Hannah and I had a lot of students in uh, her class. I also teach a class up on campus. Um, We had students who suffered a lot of death in their families. So we had grieving students who we bought books for just to help them out. So we use this money to pursue that vision. Now, here's the deal. We had $3,700. And then this last year, we made $13,500. That's a testimony to God's faithfulness. It's not because the Razorbacks were better they were, that might be a testimony to God's faithfulness too. (laughs) Because my mother-in-law, didn't she? Hannah's mom, she prayed, she prayed. She said, Lord, please let revival start on this campus. And then the Razorbacks got better. And guess what? We got more money, right? To pursue this vision. We made $13,500 that the Lord gave us to put back into students. This story is not done. Garth Brooks came to the university in April. 
And my dad called me one night. He likes to park cars with me because he likes to jack his jaw and take people's money. Um, so he called me one night and he said, are you going to park for that? And I'm like, no, I'm not messing with that. That's going to be a mess, Dad. And he said, I think that's a really bad decision, son. And um, so I said, okay, well, will you come help me? And he said, yeah. And I, I, said, I thought, oh, man, I'd just like to spend time with him, so I'm going to do it. So we decided to park for the Garth Brooks concert. Um, the day before, I had this guy, I'm at the ministry, sitting in the living room, and this guy comes in the door, and he's like, hey, I need to buy two spots for the Garth Brooks concert. He parks with us at football games, so I knew him. He's a businessman, a pretty smart, savvy businessman. So on the way out, he's like, what are you going to charge? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to charge like 10 or $15, you know, something simple. Uh, he's like, you're crazy. You'd be crazy not to charge, uh, to charge less than $40 a spot. And so he walked out, and I got to thinking about it, and I just felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, that's not a good look for this ministry to gouge people. <laughs> so I just I thought, okay, Lord, that's good. Um, but he had also been toying with this idea in my head about a donation-based model. So just come park, give us what you feel led, because we're going to give this money back to student needs, right? So that's what we did. We wrote that on our signs, accepting donations, uh, please park with us. This money goes back to help students at the university. So we started parking at 1130. The concert was not till 7. I parked my first car at 1130. Um, and we parked until 7. The last car was at like 715. And it was that guy who had come in the day before. Um, here's the deal. We parked 69 cars. We have just a little acre or two lot there. We parked 69 cars. Guess how much we made? $2,995 in one afternoon. That's an average of $42 a car. So why am I telling you this story? Because the ministry is in financial, you know, a good financial position? No, this is the Lord. We already had $13,000 and he brought us 3,000 more because he's faithful. When we are faithful, he is faithful. And now we have that much more money to go pour back into students so that we can see their needs met and the gospel furthered, right? This is what it means to bear witness. You see how these things all work to the glory of God? None of this is for the glory of the ministry. It's not for the glory of me. It's not for the glory of anybody. It's for the glory of God because he's ordained these things. And guess what? I'm bearing witness to that. He has done these things. This is his good work. He loves us. He wants the best for us. So uh, these are two examples of what it means to bear witness. But we're not done um, with this story, right? We still have some verses to read. But at this point, I want you to think about, we have to be able to articulate stories, right? If we can't tell convincing stories, if we can't convincingly bear witness to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the gospel doesn't go forward, right? Let's keep going. We're going to be in 16, and we're going to read four verses, and I'm really getting close to wrapping up, I promise. Um, I have said, again, Jesus speaking, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. 
And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Jesus just got through telling his disciples two very important things. Number one, if you look like me, the world will hate you. Number two, I'll send the Spirit. The Spirit is coming to help you. You must bear witness, right? You must do that. And then he says, these last chapters of John are just wonderful. He says this amazing thing. He says, I've said these things to you because I don't want you to fall away. I don't want to lose you, he says. It could be hard. It will be hard. But I'm telling you this because I love you and I don't want you to fall away. He's shooting them straight about what will happen, right? He says it here. There will come a time when people will kill you because they think they're doing the work of God. But those people don't know me and they don't know my Father. But I'm telling you this, that when the hour comes, you remember that I told you and I loved you enough to tell you. And he's saying all this because none of what he said should stop them from bearing witness. Bearing witness is what they should do. He's saying that. Bearing witness is how this gospel will go forward. Bearing witness is how Peter stands up at Pentecost and people are saved in droves that we've not seen since. Bearing witness is how the church was built and it is still how the church is built. This is important, he says. One of the things that we trust about the Bible and the things that are said in it is that uh, what Jesus communicates to his disciples, he's communicating to us. That's a basic understanding of how we read the Bible. Because there are very, very few instances where Jesus speaks directly to us. If you want to look at one of those, John chapter 17, he actually prays for every believer who would ever believe. It's an amazing passage, but that's one of the very few times. So if you're here this morning and you've been listening to sermons your whole life that are built on this premise that the things Jesus says to his disciples are for us, then guess what? You have to grapple with this text. You have to listen to it. He's speaking to Peter, James, and John, but he's also speaking to Denver Street this morning, right? Here's some questions that you should think about with this narrative in your hands. Number one, does the world hate me because of the way I love Jesus? Or am I so similar to the world that it doesn't even know that I claim him as my Lord? They don't know to hate me because I don't look different, right? I don't look like him. Is there anything about your walk with Christ that would make you worthy of persecution by the world? Number two. What do I have to bear witness about? Is the Holy Spirit working in your life so that you have stories to tell, to bear witness, to give your testimony about? Um, have you really been enabled through the Spirit? Because guess who gets the Spirit? Those who believe, right? Right back to Sunday school. I've written these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life because you believed in the Son of God, right? Those who have believed in the Son of God have the Spirit and they should be bearing witness, right? But if you don't have anything to bear witness about, you might want to be afraid because there's no Spirit. Last question. This is the one that got me. 
If I have things to bear witness about, why am I not doing it? Is it because I'm too lazy to stop and work on telling stories? Or do I really not take Jesus at his word that bearing witness is the only offensive tactic we have to move the gospel forward? Do I, do I not believe him? Or am I just too lazy to stop and think about it? What can I do to get better at articulating what the Lord is doing in my life? Guys, bearing witness is important. It is the way to spread the gospel. All the missionary work that this association does, all the work that you guys do in this community, none of that moves the gospel forward if we don't bear witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. You've heard me today bear witness about some things. Hey, those are fun stories. It's fun to bear witness. Isn't it? It's fun to talk about the good things that our good God has done for us worthless humans, right? That's a fun exercise. Think about it. My hope is that today you will hear Jesus' words, that bearing witness is important, and that you'll also hear him say to you, I've said all this to you so that you won't fall away. I gave you the Spirit because I love you enough and I want you to be involved in this. Don't miss your Lord's call to be faithful to advancing His kingdom. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share about ABS. Thank you for the support that you guys give on a monthly basis. You, so if we use that parking money for student needs, then you guys keep me and my family alive. Thank you for that. It means a lot. Um, I, I'm going to stand in the back afterward. I have some coffee cups. Um, you can have one of those if you give me your email address and I can put you on our newsletter sign up. I also have chip clips and you can have one of those for free. So, Brother Derek, I'll turn it back over to you now. Thank you for this time. Thank you so yeah, much, Brother Stewart.